Welcome to recordings from the 2017 Festival of Faith and Music. The biennial festival brings together musicians, critics, journalists, artists, and listeners for three days of concerts, lectures, and conversations that explore the intersection of music and spirituality. What follows is an interview with Ann Powers, a critic for NPR Music and the author of several books, including her most recent, Good Booty, Love and Sex, Black and White, Body and Soul, and American Music. Here she discusses her path to becoming a music critic and the politics and power of art. This interview was recorded on the campus of Calvin College in Grand Rapids, Michigan, on March 30th, 2017. A note to our listeners, some language may not be appropriate for younger audiences. So tell us a little bit about, here we are at Calvin College, Festival of Faith and Music. Tell us a little bit about your engagement with music when you were in college. What was your musical life like? When I was in college, like? let's go. Or even back back before that? Sneak high school? preview of my talk. All right. So I was raised Catholic. And anybody in this room raised Catholic? So the music like kind of blows in Catholic church, especially in my era. I mean, back in the day, like the Middle Ages, it was awesome. But middle of the 20th century, not so good. Uh, however, uh, and this is something I'm going to talk about when in my talk, I did play in folk mass. And Sweet. that really uh, was a huge thing to me, actually. Um, I definitely was instilled by my parents and also in, innately had an interest in um, questing, the spiritual, um, a yearning for, for um, a spirit in the omniverse. And music was the thing that showed mm -hmm. that to me and articulated that to me the most effectively, um, especially when it intersected with popular music. So um, yeah, were some of those Stevens songs at yeah. Our Lady of Fatima Church in Seattle. Nice. That was the beginning. Cat Stevens. That was the beginning. <laughs> We're going to get a little cat when I show my talk. But. Yeah, so, and so that was the beginning. How did that evolve? I mean, what, I mean, you've now been, you know, music has become your life, your professional life. Um, what, take us through, like, how did that evolve um, from Cat Stevens at Mass to <laughs> The Village Voice and New York Times and NPR Music? Um, where were you at, kind of, as you started thinking about what you wanted to do with your life? What were you listening to? What were your influences? Um, well, when I was in grade school, I started writing for my grade school newspaper, but I also thought I wanted to be an actress, and uh, so then I would try out for plays and sing in musicals, any musicals, people out here, show choir, people, right on. Um, singing with other people uh, is a form of yoga, I believe, and it really um, brings out your, it, it connects your body and your spirit, and that was always a really important part of my life. Um, but I was not destined to be, uh, you know, the next, uh, what's her name from Glee, Leah Michelle. It wasn't going to happen. <laughs> and so when I was a junior or senior in high school, uh, I tried out for Oklahoma. And I was supposed to be Ado Annie. I'm sorry, but I was. But Noreen Hancock got the part. And so then my best <laughs> friend Nick in Hancock. the hallway. Um, can you tell I'm a little loopy because I was just got off a plane? <laughs> My best friend Nick in the hallway of Blanchett Catholic High School said, Anne, you are not destined to be an actress. You will not be an actress. It was like this dramatic scene. He's like, you are a writer. And so I listened to Nick and I became a writer. Is he an so, actor now? 
No, he's a waiter. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> he gets paid a lot of money. Okay. He's an executive waiter. <laughs> but um, meanwhile, while all that was happening, and, and I was cultivating an interest in performance and uh, learning about performance by doing it, which I think is very important for anyone who wants to... Um, write about the arts is do them, participate in the arts as well. And I know that some of my friends who are out there in the crowd uh, are also musicians who write about music. My friend Julie Height over there, Jessica Hopper, I see, I thought I saw you out um, there. Um, make sure if you want to write about the arts, you, you participate as well. Mm -hmm. Learn it in your body. And, um, and that's what I did by learning to sing and participating in, in um, that kind of stuff when I was younger. But at the same time, it was the punk era, and um, I, I, punk was a time when you really could learn how to, you could just do whatever you want to do. That was the, the um, kind of the ethic of punk, right? right? So DIY, punk and indie. And I wanted to be, I wanted to write as well. So I started writing for this a music magazine in Seattle called The Rocket. And uh, it was a community magazine that was about the local scene. And that gave me a way in. I was just a little too young for Riot, or old for Riot Girl. So I didn't quite believe that my voice was suited to rock and roll. Um, who knows what would have happened if I'd been born five or six years later. Um, but as it was, my writing voice seemed more connected to music than my singing voice. Mm. And... Um, and I started to do that, and I just continued to do that. But all the, all the time that I was writing about music for first papers in Seattle, then in San Francisco, where I moved, I also was studying literature, studying poetry, um, reading you know, the works of Thomas Merton, the, the writings of St. John of the Cross, the uh, works of Dorothy Day. So trying to like put it all in a context always, and that was really important to me as well, and I think that's one of the things that for me as a music critic has been crucial, is to um, have a very uh, eclectic, uh, connective idea of how music culture uh, and popular culture is part of a web of, um, uh, of different kinds of pursuits, uh, spiritual, artistic, political, all of those mm -hmm. things. Well, it's interesting, as you mentioned, the political. I know one of the conversations that's going to happen in a number of different contexts here is trying to think about um, how we should be how we should be thinking about and engaging art yes. and culture in this time of such political tumult, yes. when it seems like there's like real things out there that are, you know, we're concerned about. Um, like, what kind of space do we create or protect for art? Yes. Um, yeah, talk a little bit about that, about your thinking about the political and the art and the artistic at this moment even. And maybe yeah. feel free to, ways you thought about it in the past as well, yeah. yeah. Um, so I, I know you know this, uh, you know, art cannot be separated from politics and nor from our daily lives. Uh, and uh, I believe that music particularly is the public conversation, it creates the public conversations where we say what we otherwise can't say to each other. Mm -hmm. So about topics that we um, maybe find scary or some people find offensive, um, like sexuality, for example, but also about um, our deepest beliefs and uh, our... Uh, 
our deepest, I want to say transgressions, that's not quite the right word, um, maybe our deepest faults or our deepest imperfections. Um, music gives language to that. And uh, so that, I think, is connected to the political in that we live in, within power structures where uh, we are, those in power oppress those with less power, uh, partly because of their imperfections and partly playing on others' imperfections. So music and art reveals those tensions. A good example would be Moonlight, the film. Anybody see it? <laughs> so that is a very beautiful film um, that teaches us a lot about um, how people's consciousness forms by, you know, via prejudice and the desire to rise above it, the need to rise above it, um, what they're given permission to do, what they feel they can never say. And that movie is a love story. It's not explicitly political, but I'm sure that any of you who saw it f felt the political import of it, and, and not only because it fulfilled some quotas, you know, but because it shows how our identities, our desires, our sense of liberation, our sense of limits um, exist within our day-to-day -day lives and, and the culture that surrounds us. Mm -hmm. And you know, my favorite scene in that movie, and I know I'm totally rambling, are you, are you with me? <laughs> okay, so my favorite scene in that movie is this, is this scene where um, the, the main character uh, is you know, re reconnecting with his love of his life. And um, this is someone who doesn't accept his own identity and has never been encouraged to be honest and open about himself. Uh, his, his lover, or his, uh, his love, his beloved, uh, seems more comfortable, at least that's what it seems. We don't know a lot about the external circumstances of his life. But um, the main character enters into the workplace of this person, and it's a diner, and uh, it empties out, and his lover goes to the jukebox and puts on a song. And that song is, is an anachronism. It's, it's uh, called Hello Stranger by Barbara Lewis, and it was, uh, it's from the early 1960s. This film seems to be set at that point in like the early 2000s, what's going on. But I think in that moment we see, uh, they, can, you know, they listen to the song together, they connect, you can feel, you can just feel the opening mm -hmm. that happens between them mm -hmm. and within them. Um, and I think that that moment shows us how people create through culture, through texts, songs that are, don't seem meant for this use, uh, a way to become their best selves mm -hmm. and a way to love each other. And I guess that, to me, is political. That is how um, freedom happens. Uh, that is how fulfillment happens. Uh, without permission of the state, without permission even of the community that might oppress you. So this is what art and music give us. This is what um, some of all of the musicians playing this weekend give us. Uh, Amen. This is what I've seen Julian Baker give a room. Hmm. So, talk a little bit about 
the spiritual aspect of that. So you kind of listed a few things, political, you also mentioned spiritual, the way music interacts with the spiritual life. Talk about, about that in your own life. You've, in the green room, you were talking about how grace has been um, a theme kind of throughout yes. your interaction with music. Yes. Talk to us about that. So um, who here likes to go dancing? So what happens um, when you are dancing? Okay, I'm going to ask one of you. Who here among you guys wants, likes to go dancing? All right. <laughs> Come here, dancing person. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so tell me about what happens when you're dancing with your friends. When I'm dancing with my friends? Um, like what aspect of it? Like, like what's it the like? environment. Um, if I'm like comfortable in my surroundings, feels really good to just like let loose and um, just be in the moment with who I am with and like let like just the music and myself um, just be there. Yeah. Do you ever like forget what time it is when you're dancing? Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> Have you ever had the experience of feeling like maybe your body, like you don't know where the edge of your body is anymore? <laughs> yeah, that's a good way of saying it. Yeah, you're just, just kind of like everywhere and nowhere at the same time. Yeah. That, what is your name? Emma. Thank you, Emma. So what Emma was talking about is, um, to me, kind of how the soul exists as uh, within and through the body, mm. and how music, this thing happens with music called entrainment, and entrain, rhythmic music especially. Um, entrainment is where a one system becomes in sync with another system. I first found this term when I was reading a book about chant, like yoga chant, um, but it also happens when you're dancing to uh, disco music or punk music or whatever, when you're in a mosh pit, and it's when your, your something in you, your heartbeat, your circulation connects with the rhythm of the music and then it connects with everyone around you. Absolutely. That, to me, is spirituality. Any questions out there? We haven't, I see, I see a hand, I see the hand. <laughs> Hello, Can you Mr. shout Jessica. out Jessica? Oh, here comes the mic. And what is your favorite music to dance to? Do you have a particular favorite song that every time you hear it, you can't not dance? Well, this is a corny one, but I've been thinking a lot about um, the song We Are Family by Sister Sledge. Because, don't, now don't get all super sad on me, it is sad, but my mom just passed away, she was 92, and um, I was spending a lot of time with my sister-in-law, and at her wedding, at their wedding, <laughs> she married my brother, so I guess it was his wedding too. <laughs> but, um, but she... Uh, but they played that song and she pulled me onto the dance floor. And at that moment, we are family, we became family. So I don't know, I just want to shout out that song. But you know, I, I don't know, Rebel Girl by Bikini Kill too. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and that's the one that, um, that I especially like to think about uh, in connection to my daughter who's 13 and who's a rock drummer. So, although she prefers All Time Low, so whatever. <laughs> That's a great question. Thank you. Well, um, t tell us a little bit about um, the book that you're working on now. Uh, well, my book is called Good Booty, 
um, Love and Sex, Black and White, Body and Soul in American Music. And it is about, it is a retelling of the history of American popular music uh, through the lens of sexuality, but um, really talking about um, that spirit I've been, that we, that Emma and I were talking about, which is uh, the erotic, um, the joy of, uh, of pleasure, but also the, the, the depth of dignity that arises uh, through the process of making music and, and uh, sharing music. And it's, it begins uh, at the beginning of our American story and uh, really talks about how African people who were brought to this uh, country and enslaved kept their um, community, their spirit, um, their dignity, and their practices alive uh, through music and dance, and then um, kind of continues through the history of, of the 20th century, talking about how people um, realized their, their joy and pleasure through various forms of music, whether it was uh, jazz uh, in the early part of the century, gospel music, there's a, a chapter on gospel music, uh, early rock and roll, into the counterculture, talk about the Grateful Dead and how they're uh, the sexiest band of the 60s, which is no one knows why, but when you read my book, you'll know why. Uh, disco, uh, punk rock, all that stuff, and I just carry it up to the present day. And, um, and with Beyonce, of course, because that, we just live in her world anyway now. <laughs> Excellent. Well, thank you so much, Anne, for winging this for a few minutes with us. Um, and thank you to all for being here. Um, and I think doors are opening up for the show next door. So... Yeah, it's going to be a great show. Yeah. I'm very excited. Yeah. Excellent. Thanks. So, thank you. I'll see you again. Thanks for listening. Thank you also to everyone who spoke or performed or attended the 2017 Festival of Faith and Music. These recordings were produced in collaboration between the Student Activities Office at Calvin College and the Calvin Center for Faith and Writing. You can find more recordings from the 2017 Festival of Faith and Music and short films from the festival concerts at ccfw.calvin.edu.